Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Well, let's jump into the message for today. We're on our series called Holy Spirit, Agent of Truth. So if you got your worship guides inside, there was a, uh, some sermon notes that are put together for you, painstakingly put together some sermon notes, so please appreciate them. Take them home and frame them. And no, I'm just kidding. Just use them. Follow along. If you're more of a techie and you like the you, you have the Uversion Bible app on your phone, open that up. The sermon notes are available there. Don't go to the one that says live. For some reason, we had some techie glitches there. Go to the other one. The one that says live, I think, is last week's. But if you'll go to the other one, it is uh, this week. So that should work. If it doesn't, then I'll find somebody to blame, not name Chad. But anyway, check out the sermon notes available there. But let's get our Bibles out. If you got your Bibles this morning, let's bring it, open them up to Acts chapter 2. Woo! Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit, agent of truth. Last week we talked about the spirit of truth and how he guides us into all truth and out of every lie. And that scripture has such gri- so gripped me that I'm going to do a YouTube extra just on that teaching because I didn't get to go into it as much as I want to and, and I felt like we needed to move on. So I'm going to do a little extra breaking that down. It's become a daily prayer for me that I'm saying, God, guide me out of every lie that I've believed in my heart. Guide me out of that and guide me into the truth. It'll help you in your marriages, help you with your finances, your children, every part of your life. Say, God, guide me out of every lie and into every truth. That was last week. And I'll be posting something a little extra that I'm going to do about that coming up. But this week, today is Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, for some people that's awesome. For some people they get nervous. You're like, Pentecost Sunday, like people get a little, I'm not sure, what does that mean? So what, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? When I say Pentecostal, we all get different pictures in our mind. You know, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? I mean, because we know that John the Baptist was Baptist, so is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? What does it mean? You know, we all get these different pictures in our mind, and I don't know what your picture is when you get Pentecostal. I don't, I don't know what that means for you, and it doesn't matter. I'm just going to challenge your thinking today. Challenge your thinking from a biblical standpoint, because I like to make it real and plain just from the Bible, because I, I don't want you to believe anything just based on what I believe or what I say, but let's look at what the Bible has to say. When I say Pentecostal, there's three different definitions. There's a cultural definition of Pentecostal, historical definition, and there's a denominational definition. So maybe you're asking, is this church Pentecostal? Chad, are you Pentecostal? Well, it just depends on the context of your question. Depends on your context. If you're asking me this question this morning, if you're saying, do you believe in the person and work of the Holy Spirit? If you're asking, do we believe in Acts chapter 2 and the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost that is a biblical experience? If you're asking, do we believe in the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that they're for us today and that His empowerment enables us to live a Christian life that God intends us to live? Then yes, Pentecostal from that context. But we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to the Bible, but we're not of the Pentecostal denomination. We believe in water baptism according to the Bible and the teachings of the Bible, but we're not of the Baptist denomination. Too many times in our life, and this has been my experience, we choose what we receive and don't receive based on what either our parents tell us, our church tells us, or our denomination tells us. We need to believe what we believe based on what the Bible says. 
Here's what I never want to happen in this church. Well, Chad said, no, I don't want to be Chad. Or I don't want you to come up to me and say, Chad, now what do we believe about this? No, no, no. It's not what do we believe. It should be what do you believe. If you're going to believe something, you need to be able to explain it. Well, we believe that. We don't believe in that. Well, why not? Well, we just don't. If you can't explain it, or if you say, I do believe in something, you better be able to explain it. Don't say something collectively, a group of people, because a collectively group of people is not what we answer for. I answer for what I believe. I don't answer for what you all believe. And the same, you all don't answer for what I believe. You answer for what you believe. So what we're looking at today is we want to understand it from a biblical perspective. I remember when I first uh, got placed in here as pastor. This was 13 years ago. There used to be a gym here in North City, and I was at this gym, and I was working out, and this lady was in there. So older lady, not old lady, but older lady. You know, that term is changing as I get older. That's, you know, what that means, <laughs> clarifying what that means. So she was in there, and we got talking, just a nice, friendly conversation, just small talk. And, and I didn't tell her that I was pastor of the church. I mean, we got talking about church. She said, well, so, so where do you go to church? And I said, well, I, I go to Crossroads. They're out there across from the school. She goes, oh, I've never been tempted to go there. I'm like, tempted? Like, like you got to be tempted by the devil to go there? I mean, what does it mean, Tempted. She said, so the next thing she said, she said, I, I've never been tempted to go there. I'm just a good Baptist girl. I would never go there. And so I, I said, okay. And I never told her that I was the pastor. I'm like, it's going to be awkward now if I say that. But, I, but here's what I say. And again, I'm not against any denomination. The name on the door does not matter to God. It does not matter. So whether you're Catholic, Protestant, it doesn't matter. Whatever denomination, all that matters is we need to know what the Bible says. So I don't want to base what I believe and don't believe based on a denomination, whether it's a charismatic church, a Pentecostal church. It doesn't matter. I want to know what does the Bible say. So today, we're going to dive into some truths. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to give us the truth about three things. Three things I'm going to give you today. You're going to know these by the time we walk out of here. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to remind you of what I just told you. <laughs> Here's the three things I'm going to tell you today. Three truths that I believe God's going to show us. The truth about three things, and they all start with P. Isn't that good? The first one, he's going to tell us the truth about Pentecost, that it is of God or from God. It's not of a church. It's not of a denomination. It has nothing to do with the denomination. Pentecost, it's of God. That's the first P. Number two, he's going to tell us the truth about the promise, that the promise is to you. It's to you, towards you, in your direction, intended for you. Number three P, he's going to tell us the truth about the power. That it's in you. It's in you. So let's look at these. Let's break down the first one. The first P is Pentecost. Pentecost. What is Pentecost? In Acts chapter 2, have you got it there in your Bible? Hope you do. I don't. Let me get there. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Did I tell you to turn to Acts chapter 2? Okay, I thought so. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, which is today. Again, we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, or could be translated as the Spirit told them what to say. Now, I've talked about this in our um, series that we had just not long ago about Firestarter, so I'm just going to focus on today on the part where it says, and the, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So what is the day of Pentecost? Again, he's going to tell us the truth about Pentecost. What is Pentecost? It's one of three major feasts in the Bible that the Israelites recognize. So from Moses, when he did the law, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, they, they celebrated seven feasts, three major ones. The three feasts were Passover, which happened in the first month of the year. The second one, and there were three, there were three feasts within Passover. So remember that. Then the second one was Pentecost, and there was just one feast, Feast of Pentecost. And then the third feast, we'll talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, and there were three feasts within that one. So three plus one plus three equals the whole seven, but there were three major ones, okay? Now, that's what Pentecost is. The word Pentecost, what does the word Pentecost mean? The word Pentecost comes from two words, penta, which means five, like a pentagram, five-sided, The second word, costi, is a word that means to the 10th power or to move the decimal point to the right. So the Pentecost, the word, the really spooky spiritual word, literally means five to the 10th power. What is five to the 10th power? 50 for you math majors. So it means 50th. That's all Pentecost means is 50th. So that's what what he's trying to explain. The Feast of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, okay? So now the the original feast, so Jesus died on Passover. Maybe you didn't know this or not, but Jesus died on Passover. The, The celebration of Passover was where they took the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost when they were getting ready to leave uh, Egypt, that was when they celebrated Passover for the first time. So when Jesus came, the blood of the lamb, he came and he put his blood on the, on the doorpost, on the cross. And when he put the blood, it was applied to the cross. That blood was also payment for our sins. So Passover was fulfilled in Jesus. And then Pentecost was 50 days after that. So after Jesus was buried and resurrected, he was alive on the earth for 40 days, Right? 40 days, and then the disciples were praying in the upper room for 10 days. So when it says in your Bible, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, what does that mean? That means it's 50 days after Jesus died and was resurrected. Are you cool? It's pretty simple. It's just 50 days after it. So it's the day of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost, where did it come from? If the Feast of Passover came when they put the blood over the doorpost when they were leaving Egypt, the Feast of Pentecost came 50 days after that. This is when God came down on Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. That's the original day of Pentecost. So the Feast of Pentecost is memorializing or remembering the day that God brought the Word of God to the man of God. So he brought the Ten Commandments down on Mount Sinai. And you remember what happened on that day? They had fire and the cloud came down on Mount Sinai and gave Moses the law. And because the people had sinned, because they're worshiping the golden calf, 3,000 people died that day. But fast forward to Acts chapter 2, 
on the day of fulfillment of the, of the Feast of, of Pentecost, now the Holy Spirit comes down, fire's present again, the thunderings are, there, are present again, but this day something's different. The, the Lord came to write the law on our hearts and not on tablets of stone, and because Jesus paid the price for sin, instead of 3,000 people dying, 3,000 people got saved that day. So this is why Pentecost is such a great day. It's the extension of, see, when God came down, I don't know if you know this or not, when God came down on the mountain to give them the Ten Commandments, God did not come just to talk to Moses. Your Bible says that God's intent was to speak to all of them. He said, tell the children of Israel, come to the mountain. I want to talk to all of them. But when they saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the fire and cloud, they got nervous and scared. It spooked them out, and they're like, ah, I'm not, I'm not sure. We, want, we don't want to talk to God. So then, Moses, you talk to God, and you tell us what he says. It was never God's intent to only talk to one person. It was always God's intent to come down to man and have relationship with him. He wanted to talk with him. But because they were scared of what they saw, they got nervous, and they wanted something they were comfortable with. They wanted something that they could comprehend. I can understand talking to Moses, but that fire and smoke and thunderings, all that makes me nervous. So they drew back from that, and they just wanted something comfortable. It's much the same today that we get nervous when God displays himself and manifests himself in different ways. We just want to be comfortable with something that we can handle, and we're, we're yeah, yeah. But what if he wants to come to you and show himself in a different way? Sometimes people get nervous. But he's still wanting to speak. So here's what we got to remember about the day of Pentecost. In the beginning, he brought the Word of God. In Acts chapter 2, he brought the Spirit of God. So we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God coming together. And all of it is God's desire to come talk to us. That's what it's about. God just wants relationship with us. He brought the Word to us. Now he's bringing his Spirit to us. It's God coming from him. So the first P, the truth about Pentecost, is that it is of God. It's from God. Some church didn't start it. Some denomination didn't get in their, their annual convention and get together and say, you know what, we ought to start this whole thing about the Holy Spirit and tongues. No, God started it in Acts chapter 2. It wasn't attached to a denomination. There were no denominations. This was the birth of the church. So this is the first P, the truth about the Pentecost, the truth about the first P is that it is from God, initiated by God. He is the source, and it is his desire to draw close to us. Aren't you thankful for the truth about Pentecost? It's nothing spooky at all. It's just 50 days after Passover. That's all it means when God wanted to show up and show his love and his goodness to us. Second P, ready for this one? The second P is the promise. First one, it's of God. The second P, the promise, it's to you. So here's the question. Can you experience Pentecost? Who's it for? Is it just for certain people selected by God? Didn't that go away with the disciples, Chad? Isn't that only for certain people? Who's Pentecost really for? Let's look at Acts chapter 1 and look at verse 4. Again, this is the promise. Jesus said that he's going to send the promise. Here it is, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with him, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Everybody say promise. Wait for the promise of the Father. That's what Jesus said. Why did he tell the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father? He's telling you why. Since which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, he said. John the Baptist, he baptized with water, and that's awesome. 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So notice what he said. He said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father. He's going to send the promise. Now, who's the promise for? Who's included in the promise? Who's excluded? Is it just a certain church type? Is it just a certain denomination? Again, we're building what we believe based on what the Bible says and not just what our doctrine says. We're building what the Bible says and not just what Chad says. It doesn't matter what I say. It matters what the Bible says. Because I don't want you to experience what I believe. I want you to experience what God says you can believe, what he says you can experience. So now let's look at Acts chapter 2. Who's the promise for? Acts chapter 2. Are we okay? A reason, again, one of the reasons I want to explain this, I never, ever heard a message on Pentecost in my life at one point. I never heard anybody talk about the day of Pentecost. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't Pentecostal. I just knew and assumed that was other people. That wasn't me. That was them. So I had no idea what it was about. So the reason God wants to bring this truth to us is because he wants to eliminate lies so that we can experience what God wants us to experience. So it's really freedom for us. There's no shame and condemnation. It's not putting anybody down. It's just saying, man, this is something God wants for my life. So in Acts chapter 2, who's the promise for? If Jesus said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, who's it for? Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. This is after the Holy Spirit had come. After they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit told them what to say, and after they began to hear uh, them uh, glorify God in their own language, all that happened. So then after this, verse 37, when they had heard this, this is all the people there, they were cut to the heart. Conviction hit them. And they said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Now it's very important that you notice this question. What did they ask? What shall we do? Just open-ended. What shall we do? They've heard the word of God. They've heard the, the, the message from them. They heard things about God. And then they asked this question, what shall we do? Now, this is much different from the question that the jailer asked in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas, maybe you remember this, they're in jail, they're in prison, they're tied up. And it's midnight and they start praising God and worshiping God in jail. You know, and all of a sudden the earthquake starts to happen and their chains fall off and the cells open up and all the prisoners are free to escape and the jailer looks around and he just assumes everybody's leaving. He takes out his sword, getting ready to take his own life because he knows he's going to be trouble if, in trouble if all the prisoners escape. So he gets ready to take his own life and Paul hollers out, Hey, we're still here. We're just hanging out. We didn't go anywhere. And the jailer was so moved by the glory of God, by the presence of God, that he comes into Paul and Silas, falls on the ground trembling, and asks them this question, what must I do to be saved? Different question. One question was, what must we do? Open-ended. This question was, what must I do to be saved? What was their answer? Their answer to him was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the question is, what must I do to be saved? All it is is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he didn't say anything about water baptism. Notice he didn't say anything about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. If you want to get born again and you want to spend eternity with God in heaven, the only requirement to be saved is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's according to the Bible. But that's not what they ask in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, they didn't say, what must we do to be saved? They just said, what must we do? So Peter's like, oh, I'm just going to give you the whole package. 
So here's what he says in Acts chapter 2, look at verse 38. After they asked, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. Number one, he's going to give you three steps. Number one, repent. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to make him your Lord and Savior. Repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you believe. Change the way you act. Repent. Giving your life to Jesus, number one. After you repent, then the next thing he tells them to do, then he says, every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now he says then you need to be water baptized. Now notice what it says, be water baptized for the remission of sins. The, the, for the remission of sins is attached to believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the remission of sins doesn't come from water baptism. Because water baptism is a fleshly act. And there is no fleshly act that we can do to make us born again. Water baptism is absolutely important. It's, it's essential. Jesus did it. It is a cutting away of the flesh. It's recognizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's putting my old life under the water and being raised into my new life. It is absolutely a significant deal, but it will not get you saved. Because there's nothing you can do physically to get you saved. It is just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said number two is you need to be water baptized. And then the third thing he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice all three things there. So the truth about the promise, verse 39. For the promise is to you. Everybody, you follow along? Verse 39. For the promise is to you. Who's the promise? Who did we find out the promise was? The promise is the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to who? Your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Here's the truth about the promise. It's to you. It's to you. It's not to a select group of people. It's not to only certain people. It's to you. I've had this asked me so many times. People say, well, Chad, God's not, not giving me that gift. It's to you. It's for you. He's designed it for you. He's not ruling anybody out. He said, this is to you, to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, hey, this promise is to you, Pentecost church people. He didn't say anything about a denomination. He said, it's just to you, church. So the, the lie that the enemy wants us to believe is the promise is not for me. It's for somebody else. But you need to know the truth is the promise is to you. It's to you. God has that gift for you. He wants to move in your life. Now let's look at the third P. The third P is the power. The third P is the power. Now, this P is the one that the enemy really doesn't want you to get. This is the one he doesn't want you to get. This is why he lies about the first two. Let me break it down to you. This is why he tells lies about the Pentecost and says that it's not of God. He will try and tell people that all of that died away with the disciples, and it's not for us today. He says, it's not, it's not of God. It, you know, that's just that's those kooky, wild people, crazy people. You need to stay away from that. You, might just, you never know what you're going to catch. You get around those crazy people. So he tells that lie. Why does he tell you that lie? Because he doesn't want you to get the power. He doesn't want you to get the power. And then he lies about the second one, about the promise, and he tries to tell you it's not to you. It's maybe to other people. He might even let you believe in it, as long as you just assume it's for other people. I mean, you know, other people can get that, but it's not to me. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they get it, that's fine with them, but it's just not for me. The promise is to you. Don't believe that lie. The truth is God wants you to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit because he wants you to get the third one. Here's what the third P is. 
Luke, look at Luke 24, verse 49. This is Jesus talking. Do we trust Jesus? Everybody believe in Jesus? Jesus is a cool guy. Look what Jesus says. He says, behold, I send the promise of my Father. And hold on. Does that sound familiar? He's sending the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with Everybody else go together with me, all right? Wait, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, a couple things we need to see about this verse. Jesus is talking. He tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father going to do? Wait on him until you, underline you, until you are endued with power. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't use the word endued a lot. I, I don't walk around using that word a lot. But here's what the word endued means. The word endued means literally to slip into or to be clothed with. It's like putting on clothes but to sink into something. So it's like surrounds you and goes all over you. To be endued with power means that you're literally sinking into it and being immersed and covered in it. And that word power is the Greek word dunamis, which is the miracle working power of God. So here's the truth about the power that the enemy doesn't want us to get, that you are endued with power. Wow, isn't that awesome? Because here's what the enemy wants us to believe, that the power is up there, but it's not in here. The truth about the power is that it's within you. You haven't got it yet? That's okay. I'll give you another scripture. I'll give you another scripture. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Here's the truth about the power. The truth about the power is that it's not up there anymore. When we receive Holy Spirit, it comes in here. He doesn't want you to know that. He, want, he is fine with us believing that God can do anything. He is fine with you believing that God is all-powerful. He is fine with us being certain that God can do whatever he wants to do. What he doesn't want you to believe is the power is in you and accessible to you. He doesn't want us to believe that the power's in us. He wants us to believe that it's far off and we just pray and see if God wants to send it down. And if he doesn't, then you never know. God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But the truth is that the power didn't stay up there. The Holy Spirit comes so that the power will be in here. We need the power of God. You're like, well, I don't need the power of God. I'm not, you know, laying hands on people. The power of God is absolutely for signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. It is absolutely for that. Because Jesus said these things. He said, I'm going away to my Father. And he said, greater works than me I want you to do because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit came so that we can do the works of Jesus. And we're trying to believe to make it through our day without a cup of coffee. We have the power of God available to us, but the lie is that the power's not in me, it's up there. But the truth is the power's in you. You may not be laying hands on people for healing right now, but you may need power to love someone you don't want to love. 
You may need power to forgive someone. You may need, may need power to overcome thoughts that are tra- binding you and holding you back. You may be a, need the power of God to overcome addictions. We need the power of God. The Holy Spirit came to bring us power and to, for not that power to be up there, but the power to be in here so that I can live the life that Jesus died for me to live. You've got power. It's in you. Let me give you another scripture. Maybe you're not sure about it yet. John 14, 17 says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here's the truth about the power. It's in you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's in you. It's in you. It's all caught up in that beautiful self of yourself right there. It's in you. We've got to have this power working in us. See, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Most people believe that verse right there. They're excited about that verse. God can do whatever. He can do exceedingly abundantly of all we can ask or think. And most of the time, it's quoted and it's left there. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But read the rest of the verse. According to the power that works in you, in us. So here's the truth about the power. You're walking around with power. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about independent of God. I'm talking about absolutely dependent on God in partnership with God. God is living on the inside of you when you have the Holy Spirit. And now we're walking around with power. We're locked and loaded. Give me a problem. I've got the power. I've got the power. You've got it. Right? Sorry, I'm going to let that whole song go around my head now. But we've got the power. We've got it available to us. Here's here's the lie. Because you haven't seen things happen the way you wanted them to see, the enemy tries to tell you you don't have the power. I've had more than my fair share of disappointments and discouragements, but that doesn't mean the power is not available to me. Just because I haven't seen everything that I wanted to see doesn't mean I'm going to start saying that the power isn't there. I need to believe that the power is on the inside of me. I have the power to overcome bad thoughts. I have the power to overcome sickness. I have the power to overcome hatred. I have the power to overcome whatever it may be. You have the power. It's in you. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into our life just so we can speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit comes in our life to bring us power, dunamis power, miracle-working power. The church of Jesus Christ is not supposed to just have the power in theory. This is why we need to demonstrate the power of God because it isn't about being in a church where they preach about the power. It doesn't matter if you're in a church that preaches about the power. It's about what is on the inside of you. What's at work on the inside of you? You can be here and we can talk about the power and have a great theory, but if it's not applied in our lives, we need to experience the power of God. We need to go after the power of God. We need to live like we have the power of God. And this is the truth about the third P, is the power is in you. It's in you. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Hearing it, it's not going to do much for you. But when you think about it and think about it and think about it, meditate on it, meditate on it, God, through the Holy Spirit, is on the inside of me. God, the creator of the universe, is on the inside of me. 
There's power on the inside of me. He's not only dwell with me, but he's going to be in me. When the Holy Spirit has come upon me, I'll receive power. You shall be endued with power. You shall be endued with power. You shall be endued with power. Power for what? Power for whatever you need. Whatever you need. There's power. You are endued. See, what we don't realize is that he said, I want to endue you with power. I'm not just going to keep it for myself, but I want to give it to you. We serve a generous God. So now, here's the truth about the feasts. The first one was Passover I talked about. Passover was fulfilled in Jesus. In one day, the feast of Passover, you know, the, the Old Testament version, blood over the doorpost, it was fulfilled in one day when Jesus came and died on the cross. The feast of Pentecost, Jesus, or when the ten, ten Commandments were given to Moses, on Mount Sinai, was fulfilled in one day on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. The third feast that we talked about, Feast of Tabernacles, this one has not been fulfilled yet. Because in the Feast of Tabernacles includes the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. There is coming a day, you need to hear this, hear me. The Feast of Tabernacles, this is significant. You're like, that's ah, Old Testament stuff. I heard someone not long ago say, well, we just need to quit talking about the Old Testament. I'm like, wow. If we get talking about the, quit talking about the Old Testament, we forget the God of the Old Testament and that Jesus came to fulfill the New Testament, not do away, or the Old Testament, not do away with the Old Testament. But the Feast of Tabernacles, there is going to be a trumpet sound someday and a shout, a shout that sounds like a trumpet. And Jesus is going to split the eastern sky and he's coming back. He's coming back again. The, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angel spoke to the disciples and said, why do you gaze looking up into heaven? The same way that Jesus left this earth is the same way he's coming back again. He's coming back for us. He's coming back. So the Feast of Tabernacles will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. Spoiler alert, that's why I believe Jesus is going to come back in the fall during the Feast of Tabernacles and Trumpets. I'll teach on that later. Did I spoil alert too many people? This is why I don't believe that Jesus is just coming back any moment, any second. I believe he's going to come to fulfill the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. I didn't say which fall, and I didn't see which day. It's a whole season. That's a teaching I'll get into later. Sorry. Stay focused. Feast of Tabernacles. Some of you got a little nervous. Feast of Tabernacles. So as, let me ask you this. I want to walk you through this plainly. I, as a person... Can you receive the fulfillment of the feast of the Passover, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? As a person, can you receive the fulfillment of that feast? Absolutely. So if you become a believer and you die or when Jesus comes back, can you or will you receive the fulfillment of the feast of tabernacles and forever tabernacle with him in heaven? You can, yeah. So if you can receive the fulfillment of the Feast of Passover, and you can receive the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles, why can't you receive the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost? It's not just for a select group of people. It's for all of you. Jesus set this up in the Word of God intentionally. He said, I want you to receive the Passover first, then I want you to receive Pentecost, and then we're going to hang out together in Tabernacle forever. It's the system of the Bible. It's not limited to any way. It's very plain and it's very easy. He said, listen, I want you to accept what Jesus did for you and receive forgiveness of your sin. Then I want you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to live out your life, however long it is or when Jesus comes back. And someday, here's the promise, we're going to tabernacle together forever in heaven. That's the God of the Bible. That's the gospel that he's given you. 
So to be a part of that and to say, I only want the Passover. I don't want the Pentecost. I want the Passover and I want Tabernacle, but I don't want the Pentecost. If we trust the God of the Passover and we trust the God of the Tabernacle, where you have no idea what heaven's going to be like, but you trust him that it's going to be good, why wouldn't we trust the God of Pentecost and receive the Holy Spirit into our life? If the God of the Passover is good for you, the God of the Pentecost is good for you. It's not something he's trying to scare you or select you or scare you off. Some say, I can't experience Pentecost because that was 2,000 years ago. Well, can you experience salvation? Jesus was 2,000 years ago. Jesus was just the door. What Jesus did on the cross was not the fulfillment as far as it, nothing will ever happen from it. It was the door into salvation so that I could come in 2,000 years later and I could be born again. Same way the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming that day was the door to open up the Holy Spirit to whosoever, to all who are far off, as many as our Lord our God would call. So he's saying to you, come on, receive the Holy Spirit. He's got power for you. Maybe you say this, Chad, I got everything I need in salvation. I don't need any of that Pentecost junk. God doesn't want to take away what you received from Jesus in the Passover. He wants to add to with Pentecost. Receiving the Holy Spirit doesn't make you more saved. <laughs> Remember, the only requirement to be born again is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only requirement. The Holy Spirit comes. Jesus is the one who encouraged it, by the way. He's the one who said, wait in Jerusalem till you're endued with power. Who does not want more power? Who does not want more power? People get nervous because they're worried about the tongues and the gifts and all of that. But I'm telling you, if you will trust the person of the Holy Spirit, he will walk you through the gifts. He will walk you through all of that. You just receive the person and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And how he manifests and demonstrates himself through you, you can trust him. And so this is what we want to do today. Three Ps. I told you I was going to tell you what I was going to tell you. I was going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. I gave you the truth about three Ps. Number one, Pentecost. It is from God. It is of God. It's not of a denomination. It wasn't created by a certain church. It was created by God. He is the source. He's the one who initiated, and it's Him coming to you, coming to be with you, hang out with you, talk with you, empower you. That's Him. It's of Him. But then the truth about the promise, number two, is it's to you. To everyone, to you watching online, it's to you. You're like, well, we don't believe in that. Well, read the Bible. It's to you. Number three, the truth about the power, it's in you. In you. I want to live like the power's inside of me, not like I'm trying to beg it down from heaven. I want to live like I'm walking around with it, not arrogantly of me. It's not of me, but it's in me. <laughs> So it, it's not my source. It's not Chad's source. It's God's source, but it's God in me for me to use. He gave it to me, gave me authority and said, come on, son, do something with what I gave you. Don't just look at it and play with it, but do something with it. He doesn't give us the power just so we can entertain ourselves, entertain other believers. He gave you the power to change the world, change the world around you. Let them see the glory of God through your hands. Let people at work, people at school see the glory of God. That's why he gave us power not to talk about it and amen about it, to demonstrate it. So, so here's what I want us to do. 
I hope you received from the three Ps, the truth. Not from Chad, but in your Bible. Because right now, I'm going to give us an opportunity to all experience Pentecost. See, and some of you right there, when I say that, some people get nervous. Because they have in their mind, am I going to lose control? Who's going to lose control? Are the crazy people going to take over the service now? Is this what happens? Is where they, is this where they all go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and everything gets well? <laughs> no, no, no. Here's what happens. You open up your heart to Jesus, whom you trust, and you ask him to fill you with power. That's what happens. You trust him. You say, Jesus, I trusted you with Passover. I trusted you with the forgiveness of my sins. Now I trust you with empowerment. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.